Welcome to the Reformed Hope Podcast. In this podcast, we seek to apply God's law word to every area of life. In this episode, we look at current events through the lens of a biblical worldview and consider what the Bible has to say about what is going on around us. We conclude each episode with a brief devotional thought from Scripture. Jesus is King of all things, and all things are to be subject to Him. My name is Chris Hume. Today is April 11th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Today's episode of the Reformed Hope podcast focuses on an article from the Christian Institute, which relates how children in the English city of Brighton and Hove are able to wear badges which indicate their chosen gender identity. Now, these pronoun badges are part of an effort to promote transgender ideology in the English school system. The article notes that options for these badges include he, him, his, she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs. Some badges are simply blank, allowing school children to write their own alternative pronoun. Along with the badges, children are being offered stickers bearing slogans such as gender is a spectrum and respect my pronouns, respect me. Now, just when you think the story couldn't get any stranger, the article ends by relating how the school's guidance policy states the following. Trans boys and men and non-binary people may have periods, and menstruation must be inclusive of all genders. Now, aside from the fact that this is another clear indication of the underlying worldview behind the government school system, in this case, in the United Kingdom, this story is a reminder of how God's created order continues to be attacked by the world, sometimes in strange and confusing ways. The push to influence children regarding gender dysphoria is not new and is not limited to the UK. Almost 10 years ago, across the pond right here in the States, the Redwood Heights Elementary School in Oakland, California, installed a gender coach. Now, this coach was installed in classrooms to teach young school children that you can be a boy, you can be a girl, or you can be both. Now, that coach was provided by a group called Gender Spectrum. Now, Gender Spectrum is a group based out of California that exists to help families, schools, professionals, and organizations understand and address concepts of gender identity and expression. Gender Spectrum's website includes, interestingly, a section on how to address what they deem as clobber passages. Now, these are passages that the group says Christians and Jews use to argue that gender diversity, and what they mean by that is there are more than two genders, that Christians and Jews argue that gender diversity doesn't or shouldn't exist. Now, one segment on their website references Genesis chapter 1, and the site Gender Spectrum states this. Genesis 1, the issue When people talk about gender in the Bible, they usually start at the beginning. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Some people take this to mean that God only created binary genders and that no one can or should live outside their sex assigned at birth. Now, when this site says that some people take this to mean that God only created binary genders, it would be more appropriate to say that the majority of people who have ever lived and read the Bible take Genesis 1 to mean that God created two genders. The pattern of male and female is basic to creation, 
and it is built in from the very beginning. Now, pagan societies have, of course, deviated in various ways from this norm throughout history. To appeal to what pagan societies have done in the past to say that that is the norm is a fundamental error. When we determine what is the norm of creation, we go back to God's word, not how societies have abandoned God's word throughout history. The pattern laid down in Genesis 1 is clear and straightforward. Male and female distinction is not a result of the fall. It is not a result of toxic masculinity. It is the result of a good God's plan for this world. One of the most basic distinctions that God has built into the world is being attacked by secularists, and their arguments are essentially a recapitulation of what that serpent said centuries ago, millennia ago in the garden, hath God really said. Now, in an attempt to answer this clobber passage, the site quotes two authors. The first is Margaret Moore's Wainig, and what she says is this, Evening and morning are used to encompass all the times of day, all the qualities of light that would be found over the course of one day. So too, in the case of Genesis 1.27, the whole diverse panoply of genders and gender identities is encompassed by only two words, male and female. Read not, therefore, God created every human being as either male or female, but rather God created humankind male and female and every combination in between. She is essentially saying here that, yes, the text says one thing, but it means another. Now, I'd also note here that she is not alone in her attempt to allegorize the historical content of Genesis chapter 1. Many groups, even those who affirm the male and female distinction, are attacking Genesis 1 arguing it is not history. Now, this author and groups like Gender Spectrum understand what is at stake here, sometimes even more than professing Christians understand it. If she can present Genesis 1 as mere allegory, then she can twist it however she wants. Now, the second author that the group cites is Megan DeFranza, and she notes this, considering the existence of intersex people, the simplistic binary model is no longer sufficient. You see what she's saying there? She says, since there exist people who fall outside of the norm given in scripture, therefore we must abandon the norm in scripture. But again, that's arguing from uh, the example, that's anecdotal arguing from how societies have veered from God's word and saying, therefore it's acceptable to veer from God's word. But she notes this, since there are intersex people, the simplistic binary model is no longer sufficient. It is dishonest to the diversities of persons created in the image of God. Now, even though these claims can seem absurd to some of us, we ought to seek to understand the reason behind these claims. These authors and others, if we give them the benefit of the doubt, are looking out at the world and seeing a group of people who are confused, who are suffering, and are trying to deal with a problem that they have, a very existential problem regarding their own identity. Now, their attempt to help them, their groups like Gender Spectrum and others, are attempting to help these people, but in their attempt, they're denying the good distinctions that God has made. It must be granted that some people are born with complications regarding sexual organs. There are people who are born with complications in that area. 
And we do not ignore those complications. The fact that someone is has one of those issues does not make them any less an image bearer of God and worthy of respect and dignity. But the Christian is able to look at that and acknowledge it as a result of the fall, any sort of physical complication, without demonizing the person affected by it. But we can look at it realistically and realize that it is a deviation from the norm. Let me give you an example of this. My wife recently gave birth to a stillborn daughter. Our sweet Charlene Grace had multiple physical complications, including an underdeveloped brain, a damaged heart, and deformed lower limbs, among other things. Now, it's not fun for me to list off those complications, but it is the reality. We knew months before her birth that she had these conditions, and yet we loved her and cherished her as our little girl nonetheless. Now, if she had lived, we would not have spent our life saying, you know what, these conditions and deformities are normal. This was part of the original plan by God, and now we embrace this as normal. No, we would have recognized that just as all of us have complications, our sweet daughter, because of the fall, had these physical complications. God's still sovereign over it, but not part of the original created order. And so we would have been able to deal with those complications and recognize the hope of eternity when all those things would be made right. And we would have been able to offer help to her and help her live in God's world. So it is a good thing to want to help people with confusion about their gender or who are um, facing physical complications regarding sexual organs. Such a task must be done with love, patience, and humility, but it must never be done in a spirit of attacking God's created order. Now, what we really see in the rise of aggressive groups seeking to inculcate children with the idea that they can be any gender they want is a humanistic, anti-Christian approach to a very real problem that real people are having that, as always, is better addressed by the gospel and God's law word. However, again, the only tools that the humanists have having abandoned the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only tools they have to help children or adults struggling with these issues are the tools of humanism and pragmatism. Therefore, the humanist think tanks simply produce a slew of literature and media which deems that all people can be whatever they want and there are no true distinctions between the genders. You know, in many ways, they're trying to solve the problem by ignoring the problem. The reason it is difficult to deal with gender confusion is because that is not the intended design of this world. And to respect those people who are struggling with these issues, we must not ignore the problem by saying, you know what, it doesn't matter. You can be whatever you want. That doesn't solve the problem. There are ways to help people in this situation, but telling them that God's created order can be shaped to fit their own ideas is not going to offer lasting, eternal hope. Thus, the critique here is aimed squarely at those who, ignoring God's word, are offering supposed help to those struggling with real issues. Now, 50 years ago, R.J. Rushduni was encountering a similar problem in his day. He saw what Charles Winnick called the progressive desexualization of people. Rushduni looked around at society and he noted 
that there is an attempt to desexualize people, to erase the distinction between the sexes, between the genders. The crux of the issue in Rush Dooney's mind was that the culture was increasingly trying to make man into a neutral creature. The distinction between male and female was being blurred ever so slightly. Behind this redefining of male and female, Rush Dooney noted two core ideas. So he saw two core things behind this blurring of male and female. The first thing he noted is that rebellion against God's ordained order was very obvious in all of this. The very first principle of order, he wrote, is denied. Man was attempting to rearrange creation in terms of his own creative mandate. So instead of taking the created order that God has given us and acting as stewards in God's world, man is trying to recreate the world based on his understanding. This deliberate attempt to recreate is often cast in terms of liberation and freedom. This was clearly demonstrated in a recent interview that Jamila Jamil had with Sam Smith, the British singer-songwriter. Now, Smith, who started dressing as a girl when he was 16, has come to embrace the ideology of non-binary. Now, in the interview, Smith explained many things, and he, he talked about non-binary like this. He said, quote, non-binary genderqueer is that you do not identify as a gender. You are just you. You are your own special creation. I am not male or female. I think I float somewhere in between, end quote. The second core idea that Rush Dooney noted was that of equality. Rush Dooney saw an attempt to make all people completely equal, no distinctions, no role of headship of the male over the female, just completely the same. In fact, even to the point that man is equal to the divine, he saw the trend in society to be this, woman is equal to man, and man is equal to God. The result in Rush Dooney's mind was a war against differences. And we see that today, don't we? 50 years later, a war against the idea that men are designed for one thing, multiple things really, but one set of things, leadership, protection, and women are designed for another set of things. We see that idea coming under attack, a war against differences. There is no difference between male and female. They're created to do the exact same thing. And that is a war against God, God's created order. The goal of this movement, Rush Dooney noted, was to create the bland, neutral person. Now, interestingly, Rush Dooney's comments on this subject come in the midst of his interaction with the seventh commandment and the subsection entitled the transvestite in his Institutes of Biblical Law. Now, the text that Rush Dooney was interacting with was Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, which reads, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. The essence of this command, Rush Dooney noted, strikes at the general neutralization of the sexes and the confusion of their roles. So this law, which spoke about how man should wear that which pertains to man and woman should wear that which pertains to woman, the underlying essence, the general equity here is that there is a distinction between male and female, which must not be blurred or erased by man. God has built it into the created order and it is a good distinction. 
As always, when we abandon God's path, pain, hardship, and suffering follow suit. And we see that in an abandoning of the distinction that God has made between male and female. Now, always insightful and forward-thinking, Rush Dooney correctly identified a trend which would increase over the past half-century, blossoming now today in that into that bitter fruit of gender dysphoria and the rejection of distinct male and female roles in the home, in the church, and in the society. We close today's episode with a devotional thought from the 14th chapter of the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, verse 13, in the context, context of church meetings, focusing on order and roles within the church. Interestingly, including the roles of male and female in the church. The principle here, however, applies to all of creation. God is not a God of confusion, and he stands ready to help those who are confused. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to all the confusion, shame, and disappointment in the world. The answer to Sam Smith's pain, and perhaps your pain, is not in making yourself your own special creation. It's not in recreating God's world to fit your demands, but in finding hope and peace and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The pain, the hurt, and the confusion that people find themselves in cannot be healed by reordering God's created order, but only through repentance and faith in Christ who came to make all things new. And I would urge you today, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, to turn from sin and trust in him now and forever. Thank you for listening to the Reformed Hope Podcast. If you've been blessed by this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. For articles, sermons, and more resources on applying the Lordship of Christ to every area of your life, please visit www.reformedhope.com. Also, be sure to check us out on Facebook. Until next time, go serve the risen King.